1: WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
2: So, if you don't protect yourself with the helmet of salvation, then Satan will have succeeded in leading you down a road of self-centered, morbid introspection. That's what happens. You look within yourself. You turn inward rather than outward in in serving others. He will rob you of joy. He will rob you of peace. You'll worry. You'll be fearful. You'll have spiritual anxiety and insecurity because you don't know you're saved. You can't have calmness of heart and you can't rejoice when you don't know you're a believer. You're too distracted by your own insecurity to pour your life into serving others. It is a horrible, horrible existence.
1: Hello, this is Peter Silseth. Where I live, I meet many people who, when I ask if they are saved, respond by saying, Well, I used to be. I need to get saved again. What a sad life to live, not knowing whether you're going to heaven or not. Yet, John wrote, These things I have written so that you might know that you have eternal life. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is our teacher for these daily radio Bible classes. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. His expository or verse-by-verse messages come to you through the work of Verse-by-Verse Ministries. Today on Verse-by-Verse, we will conclude Pastor Steve's message on the helmet of salvation. It's part of a series of messages concerning spiritual warfare. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul listed the parts of the armor of God that God has graciously made available to us. One of the ways a person knows he or she is genuinely saved is that they hate to sin. We all sin to one degree or another, but those who have been given new life in Christ hate the sin because it is sin, not because of the results it brings. Now, here is Pastor Steve to share about a second clear indication of salvation.
2: Secondly, true believers obey God's word. First John chapter 2. Verses 3 and 4. I love this. It says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. I mean, John is rather blunt. There, there's only black and white with John in 1 John, this epistle. And the apostle tells us that the way we can know if we have really come to know Christ is by the fact that we keep his commandments because true believers are obedient to scripture. Now, he's not talking about perfect obedience. He's just told us we're sinners, right? We confess our sins. So it'd be ridiculous for him to say that we, uh, we, we just you know don't sin and it's perfect obedience, no. But what he's talking about is a lifestyle. He's talking about a life that's characterized by obedience. In fact, the Greek word here for keep means uh, an eagerness, uh, a watchfulness, an observance, eager attitude of obedience. It's a desire to obey. It's an inward desire in which you are always watching to obey. I think that's far different than um, outward behavior that's just motivated by pressure. There are some people who are motivated by legalistic pressure to conform. They're raised in a home where you have to do this or you're in trouble or they go to a school where you have to do this and you're in trouble. That's not this type of obedience. This type of obedience is the obedience that is motivated by love. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is the kind of obedience that when no one is around you and no one else is watching, you will honor the Lord. That's the obedience he's talking about. When you go away on a business trip and you're alone in your hotel, this is the kind of obedience that scripture's talking about. When you could do things and perhaps at the time get away with it, you don't. Because you're committed to obeying God's word. Do you have this attitude? If you have this attitude of wanting to obey God's word, if you welcome his lordship over every area of your life, even if you stumble at times, And who doesn't? We all do. But you welcome his lordship and authority over your life and that doesn't trouble you, then you can know that you're a believer. That's precisely the point that John is making. Jesus said in John 8.31 that true disciples continue in his word. We continue in his word. Not when it's convenient for us, but always. I mean, that's our lifestyle. That's the general direction of your life. And that's why I say, be very careful that you don't try to convince your your children that they are saved because they once prayed a prayer with you, but yet there's no evidence of a transformed, regenerated nature and heart. False profession, that's all it is. They still need conversion. As I said, don't let your pride get in the way. See things as God does. There's a third evidence for genuine conversion and it's this, true believers love other Christians. I think this is very important because it's, it's unnatural for us to love one another. 1 John chapter two, notice verse nine. The one who says, the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in darkness until now. Light and darkness, terms for obedience, disobedience. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. 1 John 3.10, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. John says it's obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother just a few verses down, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he has laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, How does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our hearts before him. Assurance comes to those who love the brethren. Now now let me explain. It is not natural for us to love Christians. It's not natural for us to love anybody. Love is not intrinsic to our nature. We are by nature people of malice. But it is, love is intrinsic to God's nature. God is love. And if his nature indwells you, then you will love his children. It won't be a forced thing, you will love them. In fact, look at 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Why? Because his seed abides in you. You can't help but love the brethren. Now, you may struggle with liking some of the brethren, and yes, we are a peculiar people. Scripture doesn't mean it that way, but there is a certain application of that. It does seem to me that some of God's elect are rather odd, to say the least. But so you may not like some, they may not be your close friends, but you can love them. And love is not having a great feeling about people. Love, as, as John points out, as you see somebody in need, you minister to them. Love is sacrificing for other people. Love is esteeming others before yourself. Love is willing to to give of yourself, to minister to them, to help them in whatever need they might have. That's how we demonstrate love. That's why John is saying, don't just love in word and deed. He doesn't mean that you can't go around telling people you love them. But don't tell somebody who uh, is is deathly uh, ill, "I, I, I love you and um, they have needs for let's say food and stuff you can bring them and I love you, I'll pray for you but you don't help them John says that is hypocrisy so that's what he's talking about whatever it takes now these are just a few of the key subjective evidences of being saved if you hate and confess your sin desire and practice obedience to scripture love God's people then that's where 1 John 5.13 offers you biblical assurance regardless of how you feel John says that you may know that you have eternal life. You have to just count on that. This is the helmet of salvation. That's what God has provided for you. Put it on. Protect your mind from the devil's wicked thoughts. Put it on. That's your responsibility. However, Satan's attacks are not limited to doubts about our past aspect of salvation. We want to touch on this because... There are many who today think that they had salvation, but they lost it or they might lose it. So let's look instead of the past aspect of salvation and God's protective helmet, let's look at the present aspect of salvation and God's protective helmet. There are many believers who really struggle today. I don't think that many at Lakeside, but there are many who struggle because they feel like they've sinned so badly that they've lost their salvation or they're in danger of losing it. They might send it away. This is a terrible type of insecurity. It's a terrible way to live. I agree with John MacArthur who wrote this in his commentary on Ephesians. Few things are more paralyzing, unproductive, or miserable than insecurity. And in context, he's referring to insecurity of salvation. God wants you to be secure. Now, I want you to know behind those paralyzing and miserable thoughts is the devil he is the father of lies and he lies to christians about this very issue and he what he wants to do is rob you of joy rob you of peace because he wants you to believe the lie that your sin has caused you to lose your salvation and really let me let me take it a, a step deeper than that ultimately behind this is not an attack just on you or me the attack is on god's character he wants you to doubt that god is strong enough powerful enough to keep you saved He wants to present God to you as a weakling. He offers a salvation that that he can't uh, make permanent in your life. He offers a salvation that is weak. He offers a salvation that you can actually turn down and walk away from. God is not strong enough to keep you saved. That's really the attack. He has given you a salvation that is just as impotent as he is. So it's an attack on the character of God. Now, if you've been caught in this kind of perverted thinking, then you need to put on the helmet of salvation and protect yourself. This protection is offered in several verses throughout the Bible. In fact, let me recommend to you, if you struggle in this area or you know somebody who does, uh, years ago, there was a series that I did from this pulpit called Safety for the Sheep. It was about, I think, either eight or ten tapes on on the issue of eternal security. And I dealt with those uh, those passages that that give people so much trouble, like Hebrews 6 and some others. Uh, I would encourage you to get that tape album. We don't have time today to cover all of that, but we tried to in that album.
1: If you struggle in this area, I would encourage you to call the number that I will give at the end of the class, and order those tapes the title again is safety for the sheep we will return to class in a moment let's pause briefly to welcome those of you who just tuned in you're listening to verse by verse with pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater Florida there are three basic ways that people say someone could lose their salvation God's infallible word has an answer for each of them So let's get back to class and see those answers. Here is Pastor Steve.
2: Let me just give you a few verses that you you need to just protect yourself with. First of all, John chapter 6. I mentioned John 6 a while back, but John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me, Jesus said, will come to me. That's a verse on God's sovereignty. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. What a great verse. What a great truth. And notice verse 39. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. Is God going to lose you? Are you going to lose yourself? No, Jesus said. Verse 40. For this is the will of my father that everyone who beholds the son and believes in him will have eternal life and I myself will raise him up on the last day. What Christ is saying here is that there is no sin, no circumstance, no failure, no situation that would cause him to cast away someone who has come to him for salvation because those are obviously the elect who the father has given to him. Now that's a great, a great truth. Well, someone says, well, maybe I can't walk away from him. But you know what? Satan can snatch me out of the Lord's hands. He's far more powerful than I am. Some people actually think that. Well, I'm so glad Jesus addressed that. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 27. I don't think that our Lord could make it any clearer than these three verses. Jesus said in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they what? They follow me. They follow me. They do evidence that they know me. They follow me. And I give them, or I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. Folks, could our Lord say it any clearer? You'll never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hands. No one. That includes Satan. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You not only have security, you have double security. You know, like the old all state commercials, you're in good hands. You're in double hands. You're in the Father's hand as well as the Son's hand. And someone says, but you know what? Life could be so difficult. I may just walk away from the Lord by myself. Maybe persecution is too tough. I'll I'll denounce him. I'll I'll say that I don't believe in him and I'll 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 be like Judas. I'll just walk away. No, you won't. You won't. Because Paul addressed this issue. Look at Romans chapter 8. You will not, because God is holding on to you. You're not holding on to him. It's not about your perseverance so much as about his perseverance with us. Romans chapter eight, look at this, verse 38. By the way, Romans eight, all of it is on this very issue and subject of eternal security. All of it, you'll not come into condemnation. Romans eight, verse 38. Paul says this, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think that's, that's pretty clear. I think it's pretty inclusive. Neither death. You think, well, what about, what if before I die I denounce him and renounce him? No, you won't. What about in life I might? What about angels will separate him? No principalities, things, I mean, all these things. It's, it's not about us hanging on to him. Understand that. It's not, you will not walk away from Christ. He won't let you because you are in his hands and, and no true believer wants to. And you won't. You won't walk from him. You don't have to fear that. That will I be able to hang on through all of the bumps in, in life and all the difficult circumstances. You don't have to hang on to him. He's hanging on to you. It's not about you at all. It's about him. Jude verse 24, wonderful verse. Jude says, now to him who is able to keep you from falling. Isn't that a great truth? And to present you faultless and blameless before him. He's able and he does keep us from falling, plunging away from him. Peter says in, in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 and through 5, you are kept by the power of God. It's not you, it's him. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. If he began that work, Paul says he will continue that work until you are in his presence. That is the ongoing present day work of sanctification. So listen, if you find yourself under satanic attack, thinking that you are so wicked that God couldn't possibly keep you saved, then you're guilty of the most erroneous thinking About the Lord, because you're thinking that your continued salvation depends upon your continued good behavior. How wrong that is, it doesn't. It never has, it never will. Our salvation depends upon Christ's complete and finished atonement and his righteousness that is imputed to us. Put on our account the moment we trust him. You didn't do anything to earn your initial salvation, right? And you can't do anything to keep yourself saved. That's the Lord's job and he does it quite well. He keeps you saved by his power because his atonement paid the entire price for every elect person's sins. And the moment you trust him, he declares you legally righteous. You can't get out of that. You don't want to get out of that. What is he justifies you? He's going to unjustify you? If you're born again, you're going to be unborn again? That's not even reasonable. If you're a genuine believer, you cannot commit any sin that wasn't paid for by the son of God. Think about that. God will never punish you for what Christ has already been punished for in your place. If he does that, then he will lose his integrity. So these are the truths that you and I need to put on our our minds, get in our minds. This is the helmet of salvation. If you struggle, if you're struggling today, I, I urge you, Take on the helmet of salvation. There's no reason that you shouldn't have assurance. It's possible, though, that that some are not really saved and that you have a false assurance. If you do have a false assurance, then come, let us help you. If there's no obedience in your life, there's no confession of sin, there's, there's no love for the brethren, then you need Christ. Let us help you with that. I, I close with this. I remember years ago, I, did a, I was doing a Bible study in spring training with some baseball players. And uh, in the course of, of that study, one of the former ball players decided to tell a story. It's always a dangerous thing in that setting, anyway. But decided to tell a story and ask for prayer for one of his friends, who he was sure had accepted Christ. But but he proceeded to tell us how this fellow was living, and he was living like a reprobate. But this fellow was presenting it as this is a true believer. Well, I. You know, thought, what do I do if I say something here? I'll probably never be invited back to Baseball Chapel, which actually took place. Um, and and uh, but if I don't, I'm I'm really accountable to the Lord, and I don't want these these fellows being misled. So I did speak up, and I said, you know, it's quite possible that your friend never really trusted Christ. Well, that wasn't met real well by by some but I would say it again because that's precisely what Paul is saying examine yourself to see if you are in the faith now I don't know this fellow maybe he had accepted Christ and and this was just a very period of time in his life where he was backslidden we the Lord knows those who are his we don't know we, we don't know that but we can know if we're saved and if and if you don't have evidence in your life don't don't fool yourself in thinking that you're saved. This has been a lifestyle, then you're not saved. You need to trust Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Well, Father, thank you for verses like what we've studied today that are so helpful. Lord, so protective. I pray for those who really know you who struggle. Lord, as I struggle for so many years, I, I know the hellishness of that pit. And I pray, Lord, that they will put the helmet on. I know you provide it, but you're not gonna put it on us. We need to do that. So I pray for that. I pray for those, Lord, who, who struggle with assurance of salvation in the sense that they think that they lost it or they might lose it. Lord, may they be grounded in the precious truth that your sheep hear your voice, you give them eternal life, they'll never perish. And Father, I I do pray for those of us who are parents who so desperately want our children to be saved. Help us, though, to be careful not to offer them or anybody false assurance. We don't want to do that. We don't want in any way, because of our pride and how we might look, we, we don't want to mislead anyone. Lord, draw to yourself our children. Work in their hearts. Make sure that they really know you. Our children, our grandchildren, loved ones, May we just be true and faithful to the Word of God. And we pray this in Christ's precious name.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for sharing those great assurances from the Word of God. And thank you, listeners, for joining us for another verse-by-verse radio Bible class. It always astonishes me that so many people either doubt their salvation or else have a false assurance. The Bible makes it so easy to know if you are saved. The Bible makes it so easy to know if you are saved, but I suppose that illustrates just how persuasive Satan's whispered lies can be. And that is why it's essential for our spiritual welfare that we put on the helmet of salvation. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. He has been serving there since 1981. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are delighted to make his practical messages into these daily radio Bible classes. We are a faith ministry made possible by the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Today's class was the conclusion of a three-part message about the helmet of salvation. If you would like to listen to the whole message at one sitting, you can order either an audio CD or a cassette tape by calling us at 727 441 one seven one four. Leave your name and a number and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. If you would like to hear today's program again, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You will find a listen button right there. We also have an archives page with many of our previous programs. That's a great tool if you joined us in the middle of the series and want to go back and see where we started. That's versebyverseradio.org. The spiritual life is often grueling and sometimes alarming, but the helmet of salvation gives us what we need to endure. Pastor Steve will have some verses to share that will boost our morale when we come back with the next verse by verse.